Thank you for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. Welcome back to Zero Brightness. It has been a minute. I know this episode is late and maybe you noticed too. And that's because uh, I've been busy. Um, I put out a couple albums. I did a little tour. Um, Yeah. And so before I get into today's episode, which uh, will be one of many this month, um, because there will be a bonus episode since I missed one. Uh, And since it's October, uh, the holy month, for all of us uh, listening, I presume. Uh, yeah, there's going to be three episodes this month. It's going to be a little bit of Halloween fun. And uh, yeah, I just want to do a, a few quick plugs here before I get in the episode. Number one, uh, like I said, I put out a couple albums. My band Die, D-I-I-E, put out a new album um, called Diametrics. It's kind of a weird, kraut rock, ambient kind of album. Very, very cool. Uh, and then my band, Another Heaven, which is like sludge gaze, super heavy shoegaze music. Uh, we put out a new album called Heaven Sent. Both are on Bandcamp, Spotify, wherever. Uh, and I also put links to all that stuff in our Discord. You can find that link at zerobrightness.com, um, as well as the link to the Zero Brightness Bandcamp where there is new merch. Um, there is a new Zero Brightness t-shirt. I did a pre-order, um, I mostly ordered based off of the pre-orders and those have all been sent out so hopefully people are enjoying those but there are some leftovers in limited sizing uh on Bandcamp. uh yeah and you can check that out and uh, if you see one and it's in your size you should buy it uh and um if anyone does want one in a size that's not on there you can always email me and i can see if i can scare one up ah see what i did there i didn't even mean to do that uh but yeah it's a, it's a new shirt it's a zero brightness network shirt which i think is really fun i really like the design they're printed on this really cool um sand slash natural color uh high quality gildan shirt and uh yeah i'm really hyped on it so please check that out as well zerobrightness.com thus ends the commercials and now let's talk about video games resident evil 2 god where to even start with this game resident evil 2 is one of the most important video games of all time and whether i'm talking about the overall world of video games or my own personal canon, it doesn't matter. In both cases, it is true. The original Resident Evil 2 is a masterpiece that changed video games forever and also really helped to entrench the survival horror style. Not only that, it also paved the way for future advances in horror gaming. Every horror game that would come after bears at least a few traces of Resident Evil. Evil 2. I've already told the story about the first time I played Resident Evil 2 alone in my room, trying to keep it hidden from my parents, 
which was in a past Halloween episode. So I guess we'll skip over that. And I'll tell you about the first time I ever saw footage of Resident Evil 2. Okay, go back with me to the late 90s. It's the PS1 era. And in my opinion, this is the absolute pinnacle of video game marketing. When a lot of people talk about this era, they like to bring up the weird, cringy, overly sexualized and misogynistic ads that often ran in magazines and comic books. But when I think of this era, I remember the TV commercials. And in particular, the sort of prestige Japanese developers of the time always had incredible TV spots for their PS1 games. Now, there was a really, really obvious cheat code to making a great TV commercial for a PS1 game at this time, which is just basically loaded up with CG cutscenes from the game. I mean, at this time, people really hadn't seen graphics tech on that level. So, you know, seeing a 30 second spot of just a bunch of amazing looking video game characters doing cool stuff was pretty mind blowing. This is the tactic that Squaresoft used a lot in this era. In particular, I think the Final Fantasy VII and Parasite Eve commercials come to mind. And I remember seeing both of those commercials on giant TV displays at Best Buy and just having my mind blown out the back of my skull. Like, holy shit, what is that? And how the fuck do I play that? I think the most impactful video game TV commercial that I saw around this time, however, was for Resident Evil 2. Now, when you talk about Resident Evil 2 TV commercials, another thing often comes up, which is the fact that Capcom hired Romero, you know, the guy who like started the whole zombie thing, to direct the TV spot for this game. However, that was only available in Japan and it only became kind of a piece of lore or legends surrounding the game in later years when people were able to share the clip online. If you were in America in the late 90s, the ad that you saw was a much more traditional television spot for a video game. But where it differed from the Squaresoft stuff was that it managed to mix those pre-rendered CG cutscenes with actual gameplay footage. And the really shocking thing was that they both looked absolutely incredible, and they looked at about the same level. This wasn't like Final Fantasy VII, where you would see a really cool anime-ass cutscene of your characters like drag racing in a truck, and then the scene would end and your characters would all jump out and they'd look like some Playmobil-ass motherfuckers. Like, no. Resident Evil 2, everybody looked cool all the time. And they did cool shit all the time. Resident Evil 2 is a funny game to talk about because... It's not about invention or paradigm shifting like the first Resident Evil was. Instead, it's all about iteration and refinement. And for that reason, I think it's actually the more important entry in the series. Because Resident Evil has always been about iteration and following RE2, it would just lean into it further and further with each entry in the series. Even the development of Resident Evil 2 was very, very troubled because the devs were trying to figure out how to iterate on the original game's design, what things to change, what things to keep the same, how to massage it so they could create something that pushed the envelope while still satisfying fans of the first game. 
It's a huge challenge for any developer, but especially for the folks who made Resident Evil. See, Resident Evil was an odd duck. It was an amalgam of different ideas and genres. Like I talked about recently, it sort of took survival horror in a different direction entirely, away from the more RPG-influenced stuff and into point-and-click adventure games, but it was also heavily action-based. There just hadn't been anything else like it. So how do you follow up on that? I think the big idea that won out in Resident Evil 2's design is well, it's basically do an alien to aliens kind of thing, right? Like the original Alien, it's a very slow, creeping, atmospheric movie. It's all about the details that suddenly lead to these huge explosions of action and or gore. Aliens, on the other hand, is just a thrill ride through and through. It has a lot of the same atmosphere and aesthetics as the original, but it's so much more action-packed and it's just so much more exciting. That's what Resident Evil 2 did. Although the biggest difference between Alien and Aliens and Resident Evil and Resident Evil 2 is that there was also a huge step forward in design between those two works. Like Alien and Aliens both have, you know, roughly the same tech going into each film, but Resident Evil 2, despite being made on the same console and, you know, using a lot of the same techniques as the original game, just looks so much better, plays so much better, and just has so much more vibe. I've talked about this in the past, which is probably something I'm going to say like a hundred times in this episode, because even though I haven't done an episode specifically about Resident Evil 2, I've talked about it so much because it's like one of my favorite games ever. Anyway, I digress. I've talked about it in the past, but I think that if you break down this game piece by piece, you'll see how each element leaped forward drastically between the original game and Resident Evil 2. The sound design for me is where it's most apparent. You can see that there's so much more care and detail put into Resident Evil 2's sound design, and it makes the police station where the game is set just feel so much more alive and also just so much creepier. You notice this right away in the beginning of the game. When you first go into the police station, the game plays this amazing ambient music that, well, you just heard my cover of. But the important thing to note here is that it's just swathed in this huge cavernous reverb. As you move around this room, you notice that all the sound effects are as well. The click clack of computer keys, your character's footsteps, they're all just bathed in this huge reverb that matches the visual of a huge empty hall. As soon as you get the first door open in this hall, you're allowed to go into this tiny side room. And as you step in, suddenly that reverb is completely gone. Everything is tight and dry and close. You are now in a small room. The music has also disappeared. There is a massive sense of unease created simply by that shift in tone and mixing of the sound. The game then uses this to its advantage to set up one of its most iconic scares. First by giving you a flash of the liquor running past the window, or crawling I guess, and then by having the thing actually drop onto your head. This is such a great moment, and there's so many little pieces of design and artistry that go into setting it up. 
But by the time you've got to this section, you've already played the games like Cold Open, which also illustrates the biggest shift in style from the original to Resident Evil 2, which is that the game is now full of extremely cinematic set pieces, and all of them are playable. Now, the original Resident Evil was also full of set pieces and great moments, but it also saved a lot of its most cinematic moments for cutscenes. I mean, the game famously opened with a live action cutscene that, despite being, you know, pretty notorious for how cheesy it is, it was a really unique piece of scene setting that once again made the game feel a little bit more like a point and click adventure game or something out of the FMV genre. It kind of let you know that maybe the presentation of this game was going to be a little bit different than you were expecting. And this carried through to the entire game. It was a nice mix of cool set pieces like the dogs through the window or some of the huge and imposing bosses contrasted by more detailed pre-rendered cutscenes or non-playable cutscenes that would relay big story beats, important pieces of dialogue and revelations, etc, etc, etc. You could technically say that Resident Evil 2 does something similar, if not the exact same thing, but I would argue that that's not true. Resident Evil 2 has you play all of its biggest set pieces, all of its most cinematic moments occur while you are in control of the character. And I think that that's a major shift between the two games. It's also something that would set up a very important central idea within the horror video game genre, which is that things are more impactful and more scary if you are in control while they're happening. So like the opening of the game, you roll into town, things go nuts. You end up in the center of town while there's this huge wall of fire and you need to make your escape from your destroyed car into the police station. While you do that, you have to run through a burning city that's awash with way more zombies than you had ever seen in the original game. It's tense, it's scary. If you were new to the style or the series, it was incredibly overwhelming. And more than anything, it was just stunning how cinematic and overwhelming this intro was. Compare that to the cutscene in the original game with your characters being attacked by dogs and running away and then having to regroup in the mansion. It's just so much more impactful and exciting to actually have to make that escape rather than just watch a cutscene of it. This goes on throughout the entire game. There are multiple bosses or semi-bosses, I guess you could call them like escape sequences involving like huge alligators or the game's main nemesis, Mr. X, that require the player to essentially interact with a cutscene style sequence that is, however, fully playable. I think this was a huge step forward in game design and specifically horror game design. And it's maybe the most striking thing now about playing the original version of Resident Evil 2. There are lots of other refinements that go into this game as well. The game loop is way tighter, the inventory system is way more manageable, combat is better, everything just works better. 
This game also dabbles in that kind of overwhelming mobbing that would become a staple of the series and that it would lead into more and more as it went on. That is, the game loves to put you in small, tight quarters with way too many enemies. It's something that when the original game was made just wasn't possible on the PS1, but with advances in coding and tech and design, they were actually able to create some really crazy areas that are just chock full of zombies. I mean, the first time you saw some of these hallways, it was legitimately shocking because it was like, oh fuck, I didn't know you could have that many of those things on screen. Jesus Christ. It was like legitimately alarming. Resident Evil 2 overall is just a much more visceral and much more scary experience than the original Resident Evil. Even if it probably seems kind of quaint now to most people looking at it, at the time, this game was fucking terrifying. I think a lot of that is up to those tech advancements that let the developers toy with different ways to scare, overwhelm, and unsettle the player, but a lot of that also goes into the game's visual and sound design. Like I mentioned earlier, this game just has a much thicker and heavier atmosphere than the first game. It's almost like they took the first game's kind of 90s adventure game visual style and pushed it so that now it looks almost more like a mix of a 90s horror movie and a 90s adventure game. There's still a kind of over-the-top arch-gothic style to a lot of the game's architecture and design, but everything is just much darker and creepier. There's also a lot more detail. You really feel like this police station was a historic building retrofitted to be a high-tech fortress that was then completely abandoned during a zombie outbreak. It just sells it so much harder. There's also that great pacing of scares and areas and styles. You really feel like you're exploring this huge old building and uncovering something new every time you get a key card or open a new door. I think that goes a long way towards making something that not long after this game came out would feel kind of stale, which is that survival horror formula of you know, key card, door, new area, item puzzle, feel really fresh. And to this day, you know, playing this game, it feels very fresh and it feels very, very well designed. I truly think that Resident Evil 2 has actually held up very, very well, especially when compared to other contemporaneous games from this time, era, and style. A really important piece there, though, is that Resident Evil 2 may be the most re-released and reiterated entry in the Resident Evil series. Now technically, of course, that award goes to Resident Evil 4, but that's mostly on a technicality. Like, Resident Evil 4 has been ported the most times, but I think if you really broke it down, there aren't that many different versions of Resident Evil 4. And some of this also gets into like kind of nitpicky technical stuff. Like, is the Wii version different because you can use motion controls, even though it's still basically just the GameCube version of the game? Is the HD remaster a different version even though they changed nothing, they just upscaled the textures and models? I mean, the VR version is definitely something new and different, but God damn it, I'm getting lost talking about Resident Evil 4 again. Let's get back to Resident Evil 2. 
I find Resident Evil 2 fascinating because there are a bunch of different versions of it and they're all quite substantially different, especially when it comes to the controls, which is of course the big nitpick, hang up, whatever you want to call it that people have with these older survival horror titles and especially these first few Resident Evil titles. There are many game enjoyers out there who will just never pick up this game or never complete it because they don't like tank controls and they don't like how the controls in this game work. With Resident Evil 2, I find that kind of fascinating because you do have so many different options with this game. There are so many different ways to play it simply from a control perspective that I kind of find it hard to believe that someone couldn't find a totally playable version of this game that works for them. And really today, that's kind of the thing I want to talk the most about because technically, this is the latest episode of Revisionist Evil. Hello, welcome. This is a show where I compare different versions of classic Resident Evil games and talk about the differences between the originals and the remakes, etc., etc. We're back. With Resident Evil 2, there's a whole other conversation to have, which is just like, how many times this game has been re-released and all of the various different versions of it because I find it quite fascinating. The original Resident Evil 2 was released in the very beginning of 1998, and although it does contain the complete game, it feels like it's missing a lot if you return to this game anytime after the early 2000s. It doesn't really have many control options. It's formatted for the original PS1 controller minus the analog sticks. And most tellingly, it's missing a lot of the bonuses and extra features that we now view as kind of mandatory for any Resident Evil game. Like, we associate that very strongly with the Resident Evil series, I think. That's not just me, right? That's you guys too. A few months after its release, there came a DualShock edition. Now, obviously, the big selling point here was now you could use the analog sticks to control the game. And it also added a few extra bonus features like an arranged mode and the battle mode that diehard fans of the game can enjoy. But the biggest thing that the DualShock Edition added is the control scheme that I've brought up on the show before, but I now want to go into some detail about, which is what I like to call the go-kart controls. Now, if you are a true connoisseur, a true giant brained acolyte of the Resident Evil series, you will know that the best way to control any of the old school entries that use tank controls is with the go-kart controls. So what are the go-kart controls? Basically, this was a way to make controlling your character with a single analog stick feel very fluid and comfortable. In this control scheme, you basically hold down one of the back shoulder trigger buttons to make your character run. It's like, you know, the go button in a racing game. And then you use the left analog stick to steer your character. Now, technically, it's still tank controls. It still works a little weird in terms of perspective and controlling your character. But with this control scheme, I feel like steering your character and moving them around the world is so fluid and so easy that I always prefer this style of control if it's available in an old school survival horror game. This control style was also available in the Resident Evil remake, the original GameCube version, and it also added a quick turn. And 
I don't know, man. I think that control style with the fixed camera angles and the constant changing perspective, it just works perfectly. I love the go-kart controls. I don't know why more people aren't talking about this. Go-kart controls rock. It's so good. After the DualShock edition, the different versions of this game get kind of weird in a really interesting way. There were two versions that released after the DualShock edition that, while being based on it, added a lot of different options, modes, and once again, control styles. There was a Windows 98 computer edition that added more extra features, a bunch of quality of life stuff like being able to skip door opening animations, different difficulty options, etc, etc. But they also let you customize the control layout, which is like also something huge for this series. And like if you've played like fan hacks or different versions of the game since, you'll notice that that's a staple of pretty much all of them. And it's also great to be able to do that in game rather than messing with an emulator's options. I've talked about it before, but I think one way to make any like PS1 era game better is to probably mess with the controls a little bit in your emulator's options. So it's cool to see that they were doing that even back at the time of this game's release. After that, there is a Dreamcast version, which is largely based on the Windows 98 version, but once again, also adds even more control options, as well as a few more game modes and game options. There's some fun stuff you can do with the VMU, as you might expect. But to me, the biggest thing about this version was that the game looked really, really good. You got these upscaled character models, you got better looking pre-rendered backgrounds, everything was very smooth and fluid. Playing Resident Evil 2 on the Dreamcast was like pretty eye-popping, and I loved it. I'm also a big fan of the Dreamcast controller. I'm maybe like the only person on Earth who thinks that, but I think it's such a cool controller and I thought it worked really well for a survival horror actually, which is probably why there's so many like D-list survival horror games on the Dreamcast something that I will be covering in a future episode. I know I've been saying that for like three years, but it's going to happen. Now, in my opinion, the best, most definitive version of Resident Evil 2 is the Nintendo 64 version. Now, that might be a bit of a hot take to some people because the Nintendo 64 version is far from perfect. Let's get this out of the way first. To fit the whole game with all of its CG cutscenes and CD quality music onto a Nintendo 64 cart, there were some uh, sacrifices that were made. The music in places has been downscaled. The sound effects have been hugely downscaled to the point where like they sound like an MP3 rip from the late 90s that's been like completely bit crushed to hell. The pre-rendered cutscenes also look and sound like actual fucking dog shit. However, once you get into the game, this version is incredible. Like the Dreamcast, this version has vastly upscaled character models and better looking backgrounds. If you had the expansion pack, it makes everything look even cleaner and nicer. It also included even more control schemes, including for the first time in the series, relative controls, meaning that on the Nintendo 64 version, you could actually play Resident Evil 2 without tank controls. This was fucking huge. I mean, this was such 
a massive like revelation at the time that you could play a game in this style without the crazy controls. And it just makes it so much more fun and breezy to play. There were also extra documents you could find that actually linked the game's story up to future entries in the series, which was a really cool touch, especially because at this time, I think fans of the games were very, very invested in the lore. I know, at least speaking for myself, I was, so it was cool to see some more time, care, and attention put into that side of the game. The big thing here, though, was that the N64 version looked great and controlled amazingly. It was such a cool thing to see, like this final version of the game that was released a couple years after the original came out on a system where probably not a ton of people were going to play it, actually managed to do something really cool and interesting with the game's controls and mechanics. Now, there was one more version of this game released, and that was on the GameCube. Some of you may remember this, but when the Resident Evil remake was released on the GameCube, Capcom decided to re-release Resident Evil 2, 3, and Code Veronica so that fans of the series could actually get a version of the entire series on the GameCube. You could have the original remake, 2, 3, Code Veronica, and then a few years later, you'd get Resident Evil 4. It was really, really cool. I wish companies still did shit like this. Now it's more like, oh yeah, here's a remake of a game you love. Want to play the rest of the series? Go fuck yourself, kid. The GameCube version is a little bit odd though. It basically is just a slight tweak on the DualShock edition. It's missing a lot of the more interesting extra features that would pop up in the Nintendo 64, Dreamcast, or Windows 98 versions, and overall it is a little bit bare bones. This is a version that I actually replayed for this episode, and the one thing I was happy to see was that it does look really, really good, especially in an emulator, and it controls really well because it has those go-kart controls. I mean, other than that, it is very, very bare bones, but if you can get into the go-kart controls, this version is very fun and easy to play. The other nice thing about all these different versions of Resident Evil 2, besides the Windows 98 version, is that they're incredibly easy to emulate. Like, these are all of the most, like, easy, breezy to emulate consoles ever. Like, PS1, Dreamcast, GameCube. I mean, those are super easy. Even N64 nowadays is like pretty good, so you can probably get that version running. Although, like I said, I think just for pickup and play value, I would recommend just emulating the GameCube version. It looks really good, and if you can get in those go-kart controls, you will have a lot of fun. Playing Resident Evil 2 again, I'm just shocked at how good it is. Like, it's crazy. I really feel like in terms of its game loop and its mechanics and how well everything works together, Resident Evil 2 is more or less the pinnacle of the survival horror design style. Like, in the next gen, right, in the PS2 era, we saw a bunch of games that did really interesting things with survival horror, but most of them didn't really do much with the basic mechanics and design. Like, when we think about the greatest hits from that era, like Silent Hill 2, we're thinking about games that were very adventurous in their presentation, their aesthetics, and their storytelling. In terms of their underlying mechanics, they didn't really do that much with the mold that was cast by Resident Evil 2. And like, 
some of the B and C tier survival horror stuff from that genre is like way worse designed than Resident Evil 2. Even in my opinion, the series itself couldn't top Resident Evil 2 for a while. I mean, Resident Evil 3 and Code Veronica both feel kind of like downgrades from the perfection of Resident Evil 2, and it wasn't until 4 that we got this like bold new version of what an RE game could be. Resident Evil 2 takes that purity of design that I was talking about in the Resident Evil 1 episode, and it does something so magical with it, which is just make a game that's faster, breezier, more fun to play, and overall just more exciting. You're moving from set piece to set piece, you're moving from area to area, you're seeing cool new things, you're encountering really interesting moments and cool scares. The game just works and it moves at such a good pace. It's so fun to play. It's another one of those classic survival horror games you can lose a whole Saturday to and just realize, holy shit, I just beat this game and it fucking rocks. I think between the game's original design and all the various releases of it, it also gave us a glimpse of what the future of horror games could be. Like I mentioned earlier, Resident Evil 2 had all these amazing set pieces, like a helicopter crashing into the police station, turning into this huge unstoppable menace chasing you throughout the game, leading you to the sewers where like a giant alligator attacks you, and then eventually leading to these amazing, huge, completely over-the-top boss fights. Being able to experience all that stuff while having full control of the game, and sometimes being able to manipulate those controls really, really well, I think made me so excited about what horror games could be in the future. Not just Resident Evil, but anything that was going to be inspired by this. Not long after, we also got Silent Hill, and between those two games, it kind of set up what the future of horror games could be. It was very impressive. It was very exciting. Man, what a time to be going to Blockbuster. Am I fucking right? Now, over the years, the original version of Resident Evil 2, despite how many times it was re-released, did somewhat fall by the wayside. We got that GameCube re-release, but nothing on the PS2. Eventually, the PS3 would get a digital version like it did with a lot of classic PS1 games, but of course, most people were probably rocking an Xbox 360, at least if you lived in America, and completely ignoring that whole storefront. By the time we get to the modern age, the original version of Resident Evil 2 is like, damn near abandonware, which really, really sucks, in my opinion. However, we're also living in a golden age of Resident Evil 2 because Capcom put out a massive blockbuster remake of Resident Evil 2. Now, there's already an episode about this. It's the very first episode of the show. You know, the one that a bunch of people click play on and then decide that the show sucks and never listen again. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I am just fucking around. I actually really like that episode. And more importantly, the Resident Evil 2 remake is very important to me. Like, maybe not as important as the original version of the game, but in some ways, just as important. Like, if we go back to when that game was released, which was early 2019, I had been back into playing video games for a couple years at that point, but it was a very slow kind of dipping my toe into it kind of process. Sometime in 2018, I got the idea to do this show and I started talking to James while also coming up with my own ideas independently about 
what it would be like, how it would be produced, what the topics would be, etc, etc, etc. When the release date for Resident Evil 2 was announced, I decided to use that as a deadline for a bunch of different things. It was the time by which I would have the show completely planned out and ready to go so that we could record our first episode about a month after the game came out so that we'd had enough time to play it and digest it and then be able to talk about it. It was also the time by which I needed to have a decent graphics card in my computer so that I could play that game as well as other more recently released horror games that I hadn't checked out yet because my graphics card was basically a graham cracker that I bought from a guy at a Burger King parking lot. That is true, that is not a bit. Not long after that, I also got a Nintendo Switch and tried Dark Souls for the first time, so of course, that is the moment that I became a true gamer. The point is that the Resident Evil 2 remake basically marked the point by which I was fully back into video games completely. I was playing a lot of them, enjoying them, and interacting with others who also enjoyed them. It's how this show got started, and it's been a really important part of my life for the last few years. So thank you, Resident Evil 2 Remake. RE2 Make is a game that we've spent a lot of time talking about on this show. I think we've dissected it to death. I mean, we've talked about the good, the bad, the ugly, but let's just kind of recap quickly. Resident Evil 2 Remake is a masterpiece. It's an amazing game. It basically completely reimagines the original game roughly in the style of Resident Evil 4. But it also adds a little bit of open-ended sandbox gameplay to the mix. The police station is now larger, it's way more open, and it's of course been heavily, heavily remixed to make sense in this new gameplay style. Even more than something like Resident Evil 7, it feels like a game where they're trying to sort of close the loop of influence. Like, Resident Evil 4 created a whole new genre of action games, inspired a fuck ton of other games that use the same general control style, perspective, etc. And now, the creators of Resident Evil were going back and reimagining Resident Evil 2 as if it was one of those games that was inspired by Resident Evil 4. It's like kind of a crazy thought experiment, but it ends up working really, really well. One reason why I think it works so well is that they had a really great grasp on what to bring over wholesale from the original and what to completely change. Now, in terms of the visuals and the aesthetics and the vibe, that is all straight out of the original. The game even came with an option to change the soundtrack back to the original, which I was so happy for and I used immediately, even though I had to pay $5 to do it, because the new music is probably one of the only things in the game that I can say just like absolutely capital S sucks. Everything else is great. But with the original music, you could even see just like how much of the game's original style and aesthetic they had put into this new version. Yes, everything was now lovingly rendered in beautiful modern 3D graphics, but that kind of 90s adventure game slash 90s horror movie look and feel that the original game had was there. The fantastic sound design was now even more fantasticer, and everything just worked so, so well. With these like great upscaled versions of the game's original soundtrack added in, it just created this amazingly beautiful experience for anyone who was a fan of the original. 
Now, one thing that they changed in order to, you know, sort of make the game feel more like the original, but keep it fresh and modern, was the way that the zombies behaved. The zombies in this game are actually the star of the show. They used modern graphics tech to make them like really fucking horrifying and disgusting. And they even like put a huge emphasis on this by like making the game very gory and like adding this weird real time flesh destruction thing that if you catch me in the right mood, it's even like too much. It's very, very gross. But they also made sure to change the way that the zombies moved and acted. They're now far more weird and unpredictable. It's really hard to tell what they're going to do next, and you as a player have to stay on your toes and have multiple strategies ready at a moment's notice in order to deal with these fucking zombies. This creates an interesting scenario in which like, there's almost no comparison between the original game's dumb low-poly ragdoll zombies and the new game's like highly sophisticated gore buckets, but both games give you the same feeling of being overwhelmed. Like, there's way too many enemies, they're way too deadly. Getting attacked by any of them once is going to really fuck up your playthrough because now you have to deal with the damage you've taken, the items you may have to use, etc, etc. And that symmetry is what I really loved about the remake. Like, yes, the control style and the play style is completely different, but the feeling you get from playing the game and the experience you have is so, so, so similar. I think also making the police station feel bigger and more open-ended is a nice change because since you can now just run around so freely and the controls just work and feel good, it's nice that things still feel a little bit like big and daunting and impenetrable because you still get the feeling that the original game gave you with its like hard to maneuver corridors and kind of wonky controls. It really does end up giving you that experience of playing a game that feels the way you remember the original Resident Evil 2 playing, but not the way that it actually played on a nuts and bolts level. Now, there are a couple things about the Resident Evil 2 remake that they did or didn't change that I don't love. Let's start with the big elephant in the room and the thing that Justin loves to complain about whenever he's on mic, which is Mr. X. Yes, so in the original game, there was this huge hulking monstrosity that would chase you throughout the game called Mr. X. However, he would only pop up at certain scripted moments. He was not an unscripted enemy that would actually chase you throughout the game. These were set pieces that were supposed to make you feel like he was following you the whole game, right? In Resident Evil 2 Remake, they decided to make it so that he's actually an unscripted enemy that follows you throughout the whole game, relentlessly stalking you and trying to kill you. As with the original game, you cannot kill him. Your weapons are useless against him, and you basically just have to duck, dodge, and jive your way around him. There's really no way to deal with him beyond that. This is an interesting choice, and I think for my first through playthroughs of the game, I really, really liked it. On paper, it's quite brilliant to take something that was just like kind of hinted at in the original game and actually make it like an established part of the game. But in practice, I don't totally love Mr. X. I think the more playthroughs you do this game, the more of an annoyance he is. 
He definitely loses a lot of his like swag after the first couple playthroughs and you start to see him as just a restrictive game mechanic. Like instead of being a hulking monstrosity that's trying to kill you, he's basically just a moving door that's keeping you from taking the route that you want to take towards your objective. Now, once again, on paper, this is great. It makes you really learn the layout of the police station. It forces you to be resourceful and inventive. It might also force you into some really exciting scenarios where you have to take the long way and then you run into some enemies you forgot about and then you have to do like a quick escape, etc., etc. These kind of, you know, generative aspects of the experience can be cool. They can also be boring and annoying. And I think considering how many times you're supposed to play through the game in order to see the whole story, which is like four, and then if you multiply that by multiple playthroughs, you can see how this could get very old very fast. The other thing that I was kind of bummed out that they didn't address is the different scenarios in the game. So for a long time, like basically forever, Resident Evil has had this issue where it has multiple scenarios in the game, but they don't really like add anything substantial to the overall story. Like if you play one character scenario and then another character scenario, it's not two entirely different things, which, okay, that's fine. But then you also notice that you do the exact same stuff and the characters don't actually interact or have their stories intersect in a meaningful way. It's even to the point where you'll do some very specific things twice and you'll ask yourself, well, if she did that, why the fuck did he have to do that too? It doesn't really make any sense. It's not a huge deal. It's very easy to suspend your disbelief on this point, and I have for years and years and years. But when it came to the Resident Evil 2 remake and I saw that they kind of did that exact same thing again and like didn't create distinct scenarios, I have to admit, I was kind of bummed out about that. And to this day, I wished that they had created a little bit more distinction between the scenarios and created a little bit more like meaningful overlap in the stories. Even recently playing the Separate Ways DLC for Resident Evil 4, I was reminded that that was actually kind of the first time that you saw some meaningful overlap in stories. There is a lot of attention to detail in Ada's scenario to make it kind of overlap with Leon's scenario, but also make it not like mess up anything in Leon's scenario. Like if there's a part where Leon has to open a door, if Ada comes to the same door, she's just going to like grappling hook over it. And you go, oh, that's why he had to get that key and why she doesn't because she's Ada and she's like really cool and stuff. She's got a grappling hook. There's nothing like that in the Resident Evil 2 remake. However, there are some little extra sections added to further distinguish the two scenarios, which I do think is really cool. It is a really nice touch. I do wish there had been a little bit more care put into making those stories overlap. All that said, Resident Evil 2 remake is a masterpiece. I love it. I've replayed it many times. Every time I pick it up, even for a few minutes, I'm just reminded of how fucking good it is. They did a fantastic job with this game. That said, I do think that it kind of gets to something that I've been saying over and over as I do these episodes talking about the various versions and remakes of Resident Evil games, which is like, whenever I replay the originals of one of these games, I'm reminded of how good it is. 
And it makes me feel like there needs to be more emphasis put on preserving the originals of these games rather than just putting out remakes of them. Like, the remakes are really important. It's how you get a new generation interested in a certain game or a certain series or style, etc. But the originals still exist, and the originals are still important. Especially when the remakes are, like, so drastic that they end up standing as, like, completely and distinctly different works from the original games. At that point, it's even more important that the original games are preserved and made readily available and easily obtainable by fans or prospective fans of the series, game, or genre. I think that this would actually help too with a lot of the nostalgia stuff that I complain about. Like, if it was really easy and obtainable for people to play all of these old games to experience those old styles and get that feel, they would have more of an appreciation both for modern games and the great ideas that existed back then. It might make it a little like less appealing to just be a nostalgia hound who thinks everything was better back in the day. Because like playing any of these old games, the flaws and the shortcomings are apparent immediately. The barriers to entry are like glaringly obvious, but so are the great ideas and so are the things that they just like did perfectly. Playing the remakes is always really fun because you're getting like the most up-to-date, deluxe, player-friendly version of a game, story, experience, etc. But I think there's a lot of value in going back and like seeing what the original did with those same ideas, that same setting, the same vibe or aesthetic. And even just from like a fan's perspective, it's fun to see what the first draft was before you experience the second draft. Resident Evil 2 is one of those games where I think they just did it perfectly. I think it's a really, really incredible work that everyone should experience at some point. If you've only played the remake but not the original, I really urge you to jump online and find a version that you can easily grab and emulate um, in order to experience it because it really is just one of the masterpieces of horror gaming. And if you can get past some of the barriers like the dated graphics and controls, you will see so many different things that modern horror games pull from this absolute masterpiece of horror gaming. If during this holy month of October 2023, you're going to go old school. I heavily, heavily suggest that you play a little bit of the original Resident Evil 2 this month and uh, play the Nintendo 64 version. It's like really good. Mm-hmm.